And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. And it is another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge in L.A. My man, Waz Lambray. What's up, man? I'm good. I'm just cooling, man. Just <laughs> just cooling. The weather, the temperature's rising again. Allergy season is back, but, you know, I'm I'm cooling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Last week was horrible for me with the allergies here in D.C. That pollen got to kick my ass last week. It was terrible. Terrible, but better now. Better now. We have a national champion. Congrats to Baylor for whipping that Gonzaga ass <laughs> last night. <laughs> that was a, uh, and I, you know what was, I, we're going to get to Mike Smells here in just a second to talk about this great new podcast shattered about the, the last 20 years of the Knicks, but it just annoyed me because I heard it on the broadcast and then I saw it on Twitter, people making excuses again, <laughs> you know, five, you know, 10 minutes in the game. Oh, Gonzaga so emotionally spent oh, after God, that overtime win over come UCLA. On. They didn't have anything left. <laughs> Why can't y'all just say they're getting their ass whipped? What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> it happens. It's sports, yeah. man. I mean, you know, sometimes you come out and the other team just whips your ass that day. And that's what happened last night. It doesn't mean Gonzaga is not a great team or they didn't have a great season. It means on Monday, April the 5th, 2021, they, they got their ass whipped by, by, by Baylor. Sorry. Baylor came out you know, and I was mean, just like, we're better than you. We're bigger than you. Yeah. We're stronger than you. We're just going to muscle you. And that's what right. happened. And and that happens sometimes. Again, like, you it know, happens. y'all went undefeated <laughs> and that was nice. Right. But it's not like yeah. you were nobody's, you know, idea of the damn John Wood and UCLA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all right. had a nice team, right. man. Y'all took it right. as far as y'all could go and you should yeah. be congratulated for that. And maybe if they play tonight, maybe Gonzaga will play right. better. I don't know. You know, you never know. I'm just saying... Stop. I mean, I just drove me. It just makes me angry <laughs> when people won't acknowledge what's in front of y'all. This wasn't like a, this wasn't like this was a one point game, the whole game. And they went back and forth and, you no, know, somebody made a up. shot at the buzzer. <laughs> no, this was beat down. You know, it happens in sports. Sometimes you get beat down. And that's what happened Monday night with Baylor. They just beat Gonzaga point blank. Give them credit. I mean, that's what's so hard about that. Damn. <laughs> Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. Um, let's bring in Mike Smeltz. Mike was a producer on, I, I listened to the first episode this morning, Shattered, the last 20 years of the New York Knicks. Was I know this is close to your heart. So. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was extremely good. Um, Chuck D is a narrator. He's one of the, the executive producer, I think. Executive producer, um, narrator, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was extremely good. Some good stories. Um, I'm old, so I've heard most of them, but I hadn't heard all of them. So that was there was a couple in there that I hadn't heard. So, Mike, thank you for joining us, man. And um, look, this is um, really, really good uh, uh, in terms of going back and kind of re re-explaining to people, you know, why the Knicks were good in the 90s. You know, like they did have a really good team that was a championship level contender. And what went wrong and what, you know, and you guys started it with episode one. So for people who, who haven't downloaded yet or subscribed yet, tell them what this series is about. Yeah. I mean, 
it's been my life for a year doing this thing. So basically the series is, uh, why have the Knicks uh, not been good? There's other words you could use, but I'll just say not been good uh, for 20 years. And Why have they struggled? You know, like we always talk about, I think people always talk about Dolan. You know, they always focus on Dolan and they focus on, and there's these little flare-ups or big controversies, whatever it is. And uh, rarely though, do, do we ever get a full picture of what mm-hmm. has been going on at the garden for 20 years. Uh, so right. this is that attempt. We're attempting to tell that story. Why the Knicks haven't been able to sustain success over these 20 years, you know, and we start with the nineties Knicks. And obviously, you know, if, you know, that's not within the 20 year time frame. but we got to start with when things were good. Yep. And then you go forward and you learn, you know, we go through all the eras. We go through Isaiah, Phil Jackson. We have a special episode for just the decision, uh, LeBron, <laughs> uh, you know, we have Chris Stapps. We have all these episodes about these little different eras. Uh, but I wanted to start with the nineties Knicks just again. I mean, like, those teams were awesome. And it's funny when you talk to Knicks fans and Waz, you know this, it's like, I always feel like they were underappreciated at the time because they would just never, they could never beat Jordan and the Bulls. They couldn't beat Hakeem and the Rockets. They couldn't beat, you know, and then in the back half of that decade, they didn't get back to the finals until 99 and then got basically blown out by the Spurs. You know, and so at the time it's like disappointing. But if you look back on that era, you're like, oh my, God. you know, Knicks fans would die to get back to the competitiveness of the 90s don't i mean yeah and, and it's, so this is a fun it's a fun series overall it's, it's no contest mike and and honestly um nowadays every nick fan has basically deified anthony mason deified Derek mm. harper greg anthony obviously john starks and charles oakley and you know pat ewing is clearly the greatest Nick of all time, right? Um, everybody understands that that was a golden moment um, in New York Knicks basketball history. But there was definitely, it's funny. I always tell people Knicks fandom is paired, is is the two signatures are eternal optimism and complete hopelessness, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's those two poles mm-hmm. where like, mm-hmm. if you are going up against Michael Jordan every single year, you just know you're not going to get it done. <laughs> But it's so funny, DA, like as the as the Knicks have gone from completely competent franchise for 15 years, like one of the most well-run competent franchises in the NBA to what they are now, they've now become eternal optimists where they're celebrating a 500 team. As if they right. just won the World <laughs> Cup. Um, and, 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 you know, so it's those two poles in, in Knicks fandom. Yeah. And we try to represent that. Like, you know, I think when we tell people, hey, we're going to do a thing about the past 20 years of the Knicks, you know, people are like, wow, that's depressing. Nah. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, the Knicks, that's what's interesting to me about them. I'm I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm I'm, I'm from DA land. I'm from outside DC. <laughs> um, so not a Knicks fan, but the Knicks have always had like the cycle of hope. You know, it, they, it's Marbury exciting. Isaiah and Marbury come in. Lenny Wilkins. Or Larry Brown, whichever one you like better. And then things fall apart. You know, like you go along down the different eras. Chris Stapps was exciting. Mello, Amare, exciting. Lynn Sanity. Phil Jackson. But things blow apart and break apart (laughs) and combust. And 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 it never lasts that long. Never long. Well, and that's all these eras. Think about Lynn Sanity. Like, you know, we, of course, talk about Lynn Sanity. That was three weeks, you know? Exactly. (laughs) It was literally three weeks. 
That was like it was three weeks. What? Da. Like in the moment, it was like a like a hurricane. In the moment, it did not feel like it, this thing was so all encompassing and engrossing and yeah. just like. It was everywhere. It was everything. Like, when you think about it, it's just, you know, a guy who basically was on the fringes of the league finally gets a shot and plays basically at an all-star level for three weeks of his life. Like, three weeks of an NBA season is like 15 games. It's not even 15 games. It's like 10 games. (laughs) It's like a romance I had at. Summer camp. Exactly. Jew, as a little Jewish kid at summer camp, but I meet a little girl, you know, like we're gonna me. See each, we're going to see each other when we get home, right? Yeah. That was like a little romance summer camp. And that's it. But that's like, you know, that's, but so, you know, in this series, what's fun about it is like, you know, we spoke to some crazy wild people, like not just, you know, we talked to a lot of, a lot of the Knicks people. We talked to, in episode one, you get Ewing, you get Van Gundy. Chris Childs, Charlie Ward, you get like some of those people. Dave Checkets, who used to run mm-hmm. the Garden in the '90s, uh, you know, a, a big, a big fish in that sea. Um, but also, like Da, I know you're a Sopranos fan. Um, mm-hmm. We talked to Edie Falco in episode four oh, wow. for the decision. Oh, my heart, because she, the Sopranos had a role in trying to recruit yes. LeBron. So we talked to Edie Falco. Um, there's just like Andrew Yang who's running from, you know, he he's he's not shy from a mic, but he's running from there. Uh, we got him. So like there's a lot of different pitches we're throwing your way in the series. And you're going to learn about even more than just the Knicks. You're going to learn about the, well, James Dolan right. and the franchise. So there's a lot going on. So, D.A., I want to ask you. Um, because you know, and in in in, 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 I don't want to age you, DA, but I was, I was I'm a old. young, I was a young was. I'm pup old now. <laughs> in nineteen in two thousand, uh, two thousand one, when Dolan got the team, sort of took over the team. I would love to ask you, as somebody who's clearly active and covering the league, and you know, obviously as plugged in as you are, what did what was did Dolan have a rep? Did anybody like have an understanding of what type of cat that he was, or was it just one of those things? Was like. All right, it's the, the guy's son is taking over, and we'll yeah, see. It's Charles Dolan's kid. It's Charles Dolan's kid's got the team. That's what it was. That's what everybody thought. You know, before the the Celtics um, were sold to the Grossbeck Group, that, that that now owns the team, they had um, they had a similar situation where the father and I can't the family name was Gaston. I can't remember who was the father and who was the son, but basically it was the same thing. The son got the team. And ran it into the ground, and everybody hated the sun and wanted him out of there. Please get him out of there. Um, it was it's very similar to what happened with the wow. Knicks, but the but the Celtics got sold to a competent right. group that that currently is running it now. Um, so that's the difference is that Dolan's never never copped to selling it. But yeah, I mean that was the basic. You know, once Cablevision bought the team, it was like okay, well Charles Dolan's got a ton of money, and they're going to be you know do what they always do, which is spend a lot of money. Um, and then, you know, once once it was clear that, that he was not going to be involved in the day to day and it was going to be the son, you know, there's always there's always red flags that go up when when the son of a rich man has decides to he's be. gonna you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just always, always. Um even going back, you know, when I covered the, the football team here, and, and it's completely different because you know, the Cook family owned the team. Jack Kent Cook right. owned the team late Legends. On. His son his son was John Kent Cook, is John Kent Cook, and John Kent Cook was a very, very nice man. A personally, a great guy. Not a great guy. He was a very polite, he never he never threw around his money. He wasn't a loud, obnoxious guy. 
you know, he didn't have anybody escorted from the building for saying <laughs> sell the team. You know what I mean? He's a decent human being, but he's still a rich man's right. son. So there was a lot. That's why, at least partly, I think the team wound up being sold to Dan Snyder. That didn't work out very well either. But but this is what happens when you yeah, I mean, we even rich, have in rich episode, men wind up with the team. Yeah, in episode one. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, sorry, the, by uh, my internet's bad here. I'm in Potomac, DA, which is which you know is up there. You the go. Road. Uh, oh damn, you you in the rich part of town, I'm, man. You I'm actually getting that expert service. You talk about I, I live. Uh, I, it's fun. I say I live like two blocks from Dan Snyder, but I do. But we're we're living in a different style. But um, right. <laughs> we have, and you know, it's funny you bring up the sun thing because, like, in episode one, one of my favorite parts of it is we have uh, Dave Checkett's telling us a story. Uh, Dave's about to leave the Knicks, but James Dolan wants to keep him around. At least that's Dave Checkett's recollection of the events. And they're at a company retreat in Sanibel Island, Florida, and James Dolan's a musician. You know, that's that's his deal. Yeah. So. <laughs> So he gets up on stage of, of a sort. <laughs> yeah, he gets up on stage at this company retreat. You know, there's all the employees there and plays a Bruce Springsteen cover song for Dave Checkets. And the song is called <laughs> I am Chuck Dolan's son. And he sings this mm-hmm. song. And he says, I don't know when Davey, you know, we're going to go back to the place we really want to go, like the championship, but never forget I'm Chuck Dolan's son. <laughs> and <laughs> And it, I think that's a real perfect encapsulation of the Dolan experience where it's like, when it's music, it's the thing he loves. He's trying to be charming. Like in that moment, he's trying to connect with Dave Checkett's. But even in the song, he's saying, I am Chuck Dolan's son. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just a, he's a fascinating person. And yeah. the team, obviously, you know, I talked to a lot of Knicks fans like grassroots Knicks fans for the thing. And, you know, people love this team and they want to just, they, people just want the Knicks to be good. Um, and so I hope that but by listening to this thing, maybe we'll figure out a way that that could happen. I don't you know, know if that's going to happen. But. And the crazy thing about Dolan too, that I think about often is that Dolan is the first owner in the history of the league to put together black coach, black president, black GM, ever mm-hmm. at the same time like mm-hmm. that's never been done and james dolan did that <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just so weird like the the, the <laughs> kinds of people he attaches himself to um like his 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 thinking when it comes to his hiring and firing practices like james Dol- like nobody else would hire steve stout but james dolan like nobody and let him go on the radio and represent the team and talk about branding and marketing of a freaking basketball team that has struggled to make 500 for 20 years right like he's the only person who would do that kind of stuff he's just an endless endlessly uh fascinating guy to me i like and i thought i don't know how much you guys get into it in the series but remember when there was that little brief dalliance with dolan's like i mean i would sell it for like 10 billion (laughs) yo this guy is such a freaking dick he's like he's not gonna sell it but he wants everybody to know that like it's up to me and if i did it would have to be for a lot of money it's just like he's such a strange cat uh yeah so i don't i mean the, the the price tag thing is like you know we could have that to be like how much would it cost to buy like there's only a few people now in the world that would probably care enough to do it and could do it and like it's like the Jeff Bezos types, right? right? Like that's basically it. Um yeah. yeah, no, I mean we 
we again it's like my hope is that people listen to this they're gonna learn they're gonna learn things that they've never heard before about the knicks about the nba and about dolan um and it's fun. Like, again, I promise it's not all depressing. It's not yeah. all like losing. <laughs> it's fun. You know, we, I promise it's you're going to even if you're a Knicks fan, you're going to like listening. And if you like this podcast, both Waz and D.A. are on it. Um, I mean, I had to <laughs> include Mr. Aldridge, like Hall of Famer, because <laughs> the man carried the last dance, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. So I had to get him in on this one. So um, but it's yeah, it's it's really like personally, it's a joy that it's out there because you well, know what it's like. You work on something for forever and then you release sure. it. You're excited. It, it is called Shattered Hope, Heartbreak and the New York Knicks documentary style podcast on the last 20 years of Knicks of Knicksdom under James Dolan. Mike Smeltz was the producer of it. Mike, thank you so much for joining us, my man. And, um, you know, continue good luck. Like I said, the first episode was fantastic and um, look forward to hearing the rest of the series. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming on, Mike. I'm really proud of you. And I'm also proud of myself for my little small role that I played <laughs> in this thing very early on. So I'm very happy for you. I know you put a lot of work into it and it's going to be fire, bro. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. Turns it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and like the most in his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he yes. had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in Lambre. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops and Jason. Welcome to Hoops and we have ignition. All right, all right, we're back, and we are joined now by a man with the sweet microphone hookup. Wow, y'all got the sweet sweetness. I'm just plugging shit into my computer and calling it a day. Derek Bodner joins us. All things 76ers, man. Derek, thank you for joining us, man. My pleasure. Man, it's good to good to see you again. And um, hey, let's talk 76ers. They are uh, in a good position uh, relative to the rest of the Eastern Conference. Perhaps not relative to the to the Nets, but we'll talk about <laughs> that in a second. Um, let me ask you just about the trade deadline. What you thought they they accomplished? Um, obviously, they were not going to be in the. Um, they didn't get into the Kyle Lowry business because the price tag was too high, but they yeah. wound up with George Hill. And where do you think that leaves them uh, going into the playoffs? Yeah, well, I, I think George Hill is a good addition, but he's not. I don't think he's going to fundamentally change mm-hmm. who they are and what their weaknesses are. And I think Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry, while maybe not fully changing that, at least gave them a, dyna- a dynamic they didn't have. Yeah. You know, George Hill, I think, is going to give them a good defender. Uh, I think he's going to make open shots. He's been one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the league the last few years. Uh, I think he's going to make some plays off the dribble. He is going to slide into a role that they need, um, but he's. They, I still feel like they are lacking a little bit in terms of a perimeter shot creator uh, to really um, give me confidence that they can compete against the Nets and the Lakers and the Clippers when they're at full health. So I think he is a good addition. The price tag was very small, and and that's a huge part of this. Um, so I think I think it was he was a good pivot when it became obvious that Kyle Lowry was going to cost too much. 
Uh, but I do still feel like they have some issues with their team that drops me down just a little bit on whether or not they're ready to uh, really contend for a title. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that, DB, because does that mean that the team is basically comfortable with the idea that in the playoffs – we're going to give Joel the keys and we're just going to basically bet on our ability to bludgeon people to death. Is that the plan? Yeah. Yeah. And look, Joel has had um, some struggles in the playoffs, uh, especially in the second round uh, in, in previous years. I think the East is different this year. You don't have, you know, Marcus all and the Raptors and their scheme. Uh, you don't have Al Horford to deal with who he struggled with uh, in his first playoff run. So I think the path through, like there's nobody you look at and you say, well, that, that team is going to cause Joel troubles. They have somebody who can match mm-hmm. up with them. So I think he will have more success. And also he's just grown tremendously yep. as a player. So I think that's more viable than it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to generate offense against some of these elite defenses. You know, you look at them, I think they're right around 13th ish in offense. They've really struggled here of late when Joel has been out offensively. They've been winning games because of their defense, but offensively they've struggled. And when I do look, towards the playoffs. I wonder, well, how are they going to score consistently outside of Joel Embiid post-ups or face-ups in, in the playoffs? And I think it's a, a real legit concern. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You know, uh, Daryl Morey has said, you know, at the trade deadline that he wants to make sure that the window is extended for multiple years and it's not just this Hmm. year. And I just wonder about Hmm. that because, again, it's (laughs) – I understand the theoretical part of this, which is we want to be good for as long as we can with this core group uh, of Embiid and Simmons, but nothing is guaranteed. Everybody has won ACL from the lottery, everybody in this league. And so to me to say, well, we don't want to maximize our chance to win this year with a really good team that is really, you know, poised to win a title because we want to be good three years from now. Again, I get it. But I don't know. I, I worked in Philly long enough to know. I'm not sure how much that sells in Philadelphia. Yeah. But you tell me. <laughs> well, even even go back to that 0-1 team. Like you thought that team could be around for a couple of years and they went off a cliff quickly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this is a, a city that wants it now. Uh, and I think they're a little concerned waiting. You know, I think with Lowry, it was just, you know, you're talking about an older player now. Uh, he There were reports he wanted to go to Miami in the offseason. He was going to be a free agent. And you look yeah. at all that they were asking for, like, would they have traded 
you know, a first round pick and Tyrese Maxey and salary filler for, for Kyle Lowry, probably. But I think yeah. it just became too much where there was so much uncertainty with Lowry, both with how he would continue to age and also with the asking price and whether he would stay in Philly, that it, it he just felt like it didn't make sense. And I get that. Um, but yeah. to your point, you know, you never know how long something's going to last. Well, especially when you've got a 27 year old seven foot two center with a history of foot and knee problems and back problems. You just don't right. know how long he's going to play at this MVP caliber level. So I think there, and you could go back through Daryl's history. He's made comments in the past. If you have a 5% chance of winning a title, you've got to go for it. Uh, he obviously was the, the one GM who really tried to push the Warriors during their run. So it did seem a little out of character for him. Mm-hmm. But I think if there was something that was just a li- made a little, you could balance a little bit more into a, not just this year, but a, th- a two to three to four year window, he probably would have been a little bit more aggressive, but it is, it is a, like, you just don't know how long Joel Embiid is going to be playing at this level. And you don't know how often you're going to get this kind of season. I mean, when was the last time the Sixers had an MVP? It's, it's been 20 years. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that as well. But see, I, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 we can go with what Daryl Morey says, which you know, when a GM is speaking publicly about the direction he's trying to take his team, there's a little bit of gamesmanship oh, there. Of course. Of, I'm willing to stay in Pat for four years with this team. Like, yeah, okay. You <laughs> go, go go back to a couple a couple months ago Thank with you. the Harden stuff, and he's, Thank oh, you. I would never trade Ben Simmons. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I don't, like, Daryl Moore will say something to my face, and I will know he's lying to me. And that's <laughs> right. fine. That's part of the game. Like, we all... We all get it, but yeah, no. For and sure. that's where I was for taking sure. it, DB. Like, if I'm, if I'm, um, if I'm Ben Simmons, there's no way I'm like, yeah, I'm locked into this team forever. <laughs> like this off season, you have to be thinking it's a possibility that I get moved, depending on you know how well the Sixers play, how well Ben Simmons plays in the postseason. Yeah. No. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like this is a, a another instance where you know Ben has not been good. In, in the second round of the playoffs in various years, there have been coaches, there have been schemes that have taken him out of his flow offensively, made him a bystander at times in the playoffs. And he had a real good stretch leading up to the all-star break where it looked like he was growing as an offensive player. But I think everybody in Philadelphia is like, okay, but I want to see that in the playoffs. I want to see that when you have the best coaches, the best teams, the best personnel, and when they have seven games to prepare for your strengths and weaknesses. And he's been struggling here of late. I think a lot of people have some questions whether or not he's going to be a huge factor in the playoffs. And yeah, look, everyone, I, as a general concept, I don't believe in players being untouchable um, <laughs> outside of maybe a select five in in, in the league. And, and Ben Simmons, certainly, like Daryl Morey will trade anyone he thinks will get him a chance, better chance for a, a title. Uh, yes. And I think that is something that uh, was certainly on his mind earlier in the season and probably should be in the in the future, too. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like, you know, if the Wizards change their mind and put Bradley Beal on the block yeah. this summer, that to me is like the, the 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 so obvious move for them to make, you know. I, and I would assume Simmons would be part of that at some point, you know, whether it's directly to Washington or a three way or something. But um, you you also wrote um, about the buyout market, and there's not a you know there's not a ton of guys left um, after the first wave, but there's a couple of guys. I think you know Olenek makes some sense for them um, yeah. if if he does become available. Um, it, it, do you is it does it need to be that kind of stretchy five that can that can spread the floor a little bit, um, especially when Embiid's not on the floor yeah, for that I mean, second unit. It has been it, – it, it, it'll probably end up being whoever – like if, it, if there is a viable stretch five, I would be surprised if they go in any other direction. And part of that is because when you're a, a buyout market team, you have to be attractive to the 
buyout candidate. Uh, and that yeah. means playing time. And the Sixers right now have the most playing time as a backup five. Hopefully one who can play a little bit of four alongside Joel as well. Allow them to so- showcase themselves for that next contract. But um, yeah, right now the fit with Simmons and um, Dwight Howard off the bench has been tough. And Dwight's played well. He's a viable backup mm-hmm. center. Uh, but the fit when you have two players on the court who won't shoot outside of three feet, that becomes a little tough to to navigate. And the offense with those two on the floor have been has been pretty disastrous. So I would expect that if there is a viable option where they can find a better complement for that, then, yeah, I, I would expect that's where they'll go. You know, the, the guy that I feel like nobody ever talks about, even though he's making damn near $40 million a year, is is Tobias Harris, right? <laughs> like, it's it's just understood and expected that, I don't know, like, that he's not supposed to matter, that he's ancillary, that he's, you know, whatever. But meanwhile, he's their second best scorer. Like, as far as putting the ball in the hoop, it's Joel, and then it's Tobias Harris as far as, you know, um getting that done. I think he's played better with Doc Rivers this year. I think for whatever reason, Doc has a good idea about how to put this guy in position to to sort of do what he does best. But what can we expect from Tobias Harris in the playoffs? Like, what could he do that would be we would be like, oh, that's disappointing? Because I feel like he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to show up, collect his 40 mil, and go home. It's the best job ever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny because if you would zoom out like five months ago, six months ago, uh, Philly was very, like, they were very hard on him. And I mean, right, like when you make that kind of money, you put yourself in the crosshairs, so to speak. Uh, but he has just come in. He's been the best version of it. Look, he hasn't like completely redefined his game. You're not going to put him in a ton of pick and rolls and ask him to create for others or run your half court offense. But he's just been so much more decisive with his actions. And he's shooting a lot early in shot clocks before defense gets set and taking advantage of matchups. And he has played the best version of Tobias Harris that we've seen. And that's his two best years now have been under Doc Rivers. So certainly I think it's fair to say that he gets something out of him that other coaches just haven't. Uh, and because he's been so consistent, he has slid under the radar um, and he deserves a little bit more praise than he's been getting. Um, but when you have somebody like Embiid, who's an MVP candidate and someone like Simmons, who's maybe the most polarizing player in the league, I guess it's natural that uh, you will be overlooked a little <laughs> bit. And considering what he was going through last year when uh, everyone was focused on the contract and, and the fact that he was you know, hampering their ability to make moves, I guess going under the radar might not be a worst thing in the world. looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, along those lines, Derek, what, what is, what, how are defenses reacting to Danny Green on the floor this year? Is it still the scramble, go get them, don't stay attached? you know, run him off the line or are they more willing to kind of live with his occasional three point stroke um, and, and not compromise their defense? Yeah. It, well, it's actually been, he's been really good here of late. You know, I think he is somebody who benefits from Simmons being able to push the ball early in, in, in transition and the attention that you all receives. He gets corner threes more than I would expect. I actually think they've been leaving him open and doubling off of him more than I would have expected given his reputation. And he's had yeah. a pretty good three-point shooting season 
because of that. Uh, he's been he's been he started off slow and he was struggling. Um, but over the last month or so, he's been he's been real good. Uh, he's you know, his defense, I think, has has taken a, a step back. He's, you know, getting to that point in uh, in, in his aging curve. But mm-hmm. his shot has been good. He's been a- they've been able to find him in corners um, and defenses have been leaving him a little bit more than I would yeah. expect, uh, which, you know, it, it would be great if they didn't, because then Joel has more room for post ups. But if they do, the Sixers have been real good at moving the ball around and, and, and finding him. Um, yeah. So it's been it's been good. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that because I saw some of it, you know, last year when he was in L.A., the. The coverages were different than I had seen with him before, especially when he was in Toronto. Um, and and I just – it seems to me like teams are willing to live with him making four or five threes in a game yeah. because it, it just it's just more important for them to have another body, you know, to, to dig in on Embiid and to keep him from destroying them inside out as opposed to Danny Green hitting the occasional triple. I, I don't know. And it's fascinating to me because it's not like – it's not like he can't shoot anymore. Like he can yeah. still shoot, but it's just, it's just not front of mind. Like it was, especially in Toronto and San Antonio with him. So no, he's, he's, he's hitting 40%, six of four 40% three point shooters. And they're starting, most of them are pretty low volume, which is where the struggle comes in, but he's, he's been making his shots for sure. You know, obviously, you know, we've, we've all watched the Nets this year do what they're doing. And it's like, all right, who's supposed to beat this damn team when they're doing what they're doing and KD's not even playing. Right. Um, so obviously the Nets present a huge problem for anybody who they would face in a potential playoff series, but I'm definitely more curious about uh, Milwaukee because, you know, they've rounded into form, and I think that would be a, a, a very interesting clash in the playoffs. What, to your mind, how do you think they even match up against the Milwaukee in the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's a it's a real good question. In years past, they have had Embiid guard Giannis, which is uh, fascinating, uh, where they just they stick him uh, in the paint and ask him to contest Giannis when he drives. Now they have a few more capable defenders. You know, Ben Simmons, who had struggled against Giannis in years past, I think has he defended them pretty well here in their last matchup. They have a couple of guys they can go to. Um, and, you know, Milwaukee will let teams shoot threes, and the Sixers are a reluctant three-point shooting team. And that sort of plays into one of the Sixers' weaknesses. And can, um, you know, can Tobias Harris, who right now, for all of all he's doing offensively, he's only taking like three threes a game, three to four threes a game. Yeah. Will he, would he be comfortable upping that to six or seven if, mm-hmm. if he's given those shots? Um, they would be a great matchup. Because they they sort of play off of each other's um, scheme like that, uh, but yeah, they are certainly overlooked. Um, they're I guess the Tobias Harris of the Eastern Conference, where everyone just expects them to win a lot of games, and nobody really has a whole lot of confidence in the playoffs. <laughs> um, and look, when you have Brooklyn again, it's tough to focus anywhere other than Brooklyn right. with what they're doing. And like you said, even without Kevin Durant, and how the heck do you match up with that team and and and, and those? that offensive talent. Um, so yeah, I think they're, they're overlooked. I think it would be a fascinating playoff series. Uh, and I would like to see, um, you know, can you execute against that scheme? Can you stop Giannis in a seven game series? That would be a, a great test. And another thing related to that, cause you know, they've, they've gone to the playoffs pretty consistently here ever since the beat has basically come of age, but that was all under the Brett Brown regime. I would love to know what you've seen as the differences in what doc has brought to the table when, and, and I feel like with Brett Brown, because he was there from the beginning, 
right? Like there's a different sort of relationship that he's going to have to Embiid and Simmons specifically and how he goes about coaching them. Doc comes in with this sort of, you know, this cultural cachet, if you will. Like I I won championships. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this. I'm respected. What's he been able to bring to the Sixers this year? Yeah, and I think when you when you talk about this, even beyond X's and O's or anything like that, they have just been way more consistent uh, in in their effort level mm. and their focus than mm. they were in I don't want to say in previous years because early Embiid career like 2017, 18, even 2018, 19, they were pretty consistently focused. But last year was a a huge step back, and I think there was some frustration there with Embiid and his role and the space again, the offense, and I think that then carried over to their defense. Uh, but this year, Doc has had them very consistently engaged and very consistently um, on point and focused to the point. I mean, you go back to the uh, Sixers road record last year, and it was incredible how bad they were on the road mm-hmm. uh, and they could really lose yeah. to anyone. And you look at, you know, they just had a 10 game stretch without Embiid and they went seven and three. And they didn't play a lot of great teams. You know, they played the Wizards without Curry and Lakers without LeBron and AD, but those are games that this team on the road on a road trip would have dropped last year mm-hmm. just because they mm-hmm. didn't have that effort level that they needed every night. So even beyond everything. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, you could certainly give doc a lot of credit for Tobias and the way he's playing. And you can give doc some credit for Joel and the way that they have continued to expand his face up game to make him a more diverse threat. All that, that had started in previous years, but where I would go right from the jump is that they're just way more consistently focused and, and, and the effort is there on an almost every night. And I say almost every night because they just had a game against the Grizzlies, which was terrible. It was a back-to-back, so you cut them some slack. But almost every night, they are consistently focused. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do, so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Where, Derek, do you see the, the dynamic, uh, the, the Maury-Doc dynamic? Because it's, you know, it, it, two very big personalities. Here. Yes. And, you know, a, 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 I don't want to say a difference of opinion because I don't think it's, I don't think it's that pronounced, but certainly Daryl has a, has a proclivity toward efficiency that he believes yeah. in. <laughs> and, and, the, and you have, you have some inefficient, pl- less efficient players. Let's put it that way. Currently within the roster and in the rotation. So how is that going so far? Well, even, even zooming back beyond that, just some of the shots that they take um, very yeah, mid range, yeah. heavy, very post up heavy. I think 27th or 28th in the league in three point attempts. And doc right. doesn't seem like he's too interested in trying to <laughs> push players outside of their comfort zone <laughs> in that regard. Which, I mean, to be fair, like part of the reason I think Tobias Harris is succeeding is because he's able to make quicker decisions. And part of making quicker decisions is going to what's natural to him, uh, which is that pull up jumper, uh, that 15 footer, that floater. 
So it's a, a bit of a double edged sword. But yeah, there is this is not a this is not Mori Ball by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it's such a weird dynamic because they hired Doc before they hired Daryl and Doc yeah. and Daryl had worked together. But that was well over a decade ago and was for like one season. And there's just all kinds of weird dynamics. Um, you know, right now when they're winning, everything seems fine and probably is fine. I don't doubt that. You know, we obviously don't have as much access to see their dynamics behind scenes as we would in other years. Um, you know, I think where we'll find out is when, if they disappoint in the playoffs or if they really have a, a change um, in terms like Doc goes out and, and finds some players to play more his style of play, you know, will Doc be willing to, to, to bend a little bit in that regard? Um, but look, they're both under long-term contracts. Everything has been great for so far this year. Uh, like I said, though, those, those kind of relationships get tested more when, uh, when stress and failures in the playoffs happen. So we will see how it changes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with Maury, it, I, it doesn't feel like um, he's ever been too, like, um, harsh on any coaches. I think Harden was kind of sick of Kevin McHale, and so they they made a move. But I thought Mike D'Antoni sort of got leeway to do his thing. And obviously, a lot of their stuff was aligned um, philosophically. Yeah, I mean, Mike D'Antoni certainly agreed with a lot of right. Daryl philosophically. Yeah. 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 But, you know, but <laughs> the thing about Doc is I don't think he's anti-three. He just doesn't care. You know, right. I remember yeah. at a game last year, I asked him about Kawhi. Kawhi wasn't really taking any threes whatsoever. And Kawhi's a damn good shooter, right? And I was like, um, you know, Doc, have you talked to Kawhi about upping his attempts? So he's like, no, why? He's making the shots he takes. I was like, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that is that is the, what, that's the stance he takes with Ben Simmons. He doesn't care if he shoots or scores as long as he plays defense and facilitates. Stance he takes with uh, Tobias Harris and getting him back into those shots. So, yeah, that is definitely a, I, I would say he doesn't care too much as long as he feels like the offense is flowing well. Um, and I think Daryl might have a slight difference of opinion on that, but we will see how that plays out over time. Are they are they, um, you know, you're you're all you're both right about the the nets kind of taking all the oxygen out of the room. And I wonder if the Sixers feel better kind of being out, off the radar a little bit this year. I definitely think that helps Milwaukee, for example. I don't think Milwaukee responded well last year when they were clearly yeah. like everybody thought Milwaukee was the team to beat in the East and they were the clear favorite. And I think they kind of didn't like that. And I wonder if Philly feels better kind of being off the off the pace a little bit while all the attention is in Brooklyn or not. Yeah, that's a, a, a good question. I would say probably, um, you know, just because I think Joel is – it's so weird that Joel Embiid, who in previous years we thought thrived off of the fans and that interaction and that energy, and that was part of their struggles on the road, was that he didn't have that to boost his his energy level, uh, has had his most consistent season in a year where there's been no fans. And I yeah. do feel like there is just there's a, a focus that he has had specifically, and so much of the Sixers, you know, their direction is somewhat dependent on Embiid. Uh, but he has been so focused and so consistent that I do wonder if maybe, like you said, everybody talking about uh, Brooklyn, um, everyone talking about the LA teams has allowed him to just be a little bit more consistent and flat in years where he otherwise, if the Sixers were running away with the East and even though the Sixers have been number one in the East for most of the season, uh, there is still, like you said, the oxygen out of the room, uh, that goes directly to Brooklyn. And I, yeah, I think it might be fair to speculate that that has helped them be a little more consistent. Yeah. Has Joel been the MVP of the league when he's been on the floor? 
I at that point I would have voted for him for MVP. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start looking at the splits of when he's, uh, you look at sort of like the overall package, the advanced statistics, uh, the Sixers record, the splits when he's on the floor, what he does defensively, and that defensively is really, I think, what separates him. Um, but that being Certainly said, from like, Jokic Jokic. Been, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he's been incredible and I would have no problem voting for Jokic now, especially yeah. with the missed games. Yep. Um, I think he's been better than LeBron. Yep. Uh, I, 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 that's tough to say because Le- everyone knows when the playoffs start LeBron's LeBron. Um, yeah. but I think this was a year where he was, yeah, when you factor everything in, I think he was, um, if not one, then two or three for sure. <laughs> Am I wrong or is he also not on social media as much this he year as he's been? Not nearly as much as he has been. And that's, I, yeah. I would say that sort of started, honestly, that started after he got into a fight with Carl Anthony Towns at the <laughs> yeah. start of the previous season. Okay. Um, and he went on social media and maybe said some things he shouldn't have. Mm. Uh, and I think the team came down on him pretty hard. And his, his yeah. social media activity has been cut back uh, since then. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's maturity or if that's just like, like you said, the team just telling him, like, knock, knock the shit off. You know? Well, I mean, I, I think he probably didn't want to be a distraction and he's maybe a little bit maturity and um, yeah, but he's definitely on it way less, way less. So, do, which to be honest, he was entertaining. So I, I miss that a little bit. I, I do. I loved him on social, but I, you know, but I do think it may have been a bit of a distraction. You know? Yeah. So sure. DB, sure. and I'm not just saying this to to puff smoke up your your ass because you're our colleague and you're dope at what you do. I I really think you're the best person on the Sixers because not only just because of the work you do and understanding how they're performing, but you also you never jump out the window with anything you're gonna say about the team that you're covering, right? So you're not gonna be, you know, <laughs> because because I grew up in New York, I I know what it's like to for for somebody who's covering the team to be very pessimistic at all times. Yeah. And then you know you got the people who just will never not be optimistic about what right. the team is gonna do. And I think you do a great job. So of, you're saying I'm consistently boring? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think you're consistently. <laughs> Fair. So, so <laughs> what, what, what should we realistically expect out of this team this season in the playoffs, right? Like that we yeah. don't come out and say, wow, that was a major freaking disappointment. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, for this team, I feel like home court is more important than anyone. Hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. only because you get home court, which is obviously huge. And, you know, when we're talking, you know, the season is what about a month later than normal seasons. Uh, so at that point, we could have significant fans back in the stadiums. The Sixers did feed off of that in previous years, but also you don't have to beat both Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And that would right. be huge. Um, so when you talk about like, what would be a disappointment? Well, part of that is, do they play Milwaukee in the second round or do they play <laughs> a very struggling Boston team or yeah. someone yeah. else? Um, you know, I think they can beat certainly if they lose to anyone other than Milwaukee or Brooklyn, that would be a huge disappointment. Mm. Um, yeah. Milwaukee, I would honestly give them right around a 50 50 chance assuming health i think those two teams are pretty evenly matched and they both have uh playoff struggles which would make both teams pessimistic um in, in some cases rightfully so the nets i do think are a, a better team um yeah. you know losing to the nets if it's a close series i don't think that would be a disappointment or well it'd be disappointment i don't think that would be um disappointing in terms of their mm-hmm. performance um yeah, yeah look i I'd probably look at everything in terms of like odds uh, i would give them a 18% chance of winning the East, something mm. in that range. Like, I don't think mm. they are a, uh, 
favorite at this point. All right, so everybody who's many, listening, I, DB just said conference <laughs> finals a bust for this team. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I, mean, I they, think that's fair. They, 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 uh, this point, a second round exit would, I think, lead to some changes mm. and certainly yeah. a lot of, of angst, mm. for sure. How many How many fans are in, are in now? Uh, 3,100. Mm, not, not bad. Uh, 15%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they, uh, Pennsylvania should be ramping up their uh, vaccinations pretty quickly here. So I do right. wonder in like a month, month and a half, what that yeah. will look like. Okay. All right. Fingers well, crossed. Man, Derek, I, we appreciate it, man. Um, love your coverage as always. Um, it, 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 I agree with Waz. It's terrific day in and day out. And, um, and you uh, have a pulse of it like, like nobody else. And man, safe travels and safe uh, non-travels or whatever yeah. you're doing, man. <laughs> you yeah. know? No, just stay I, safe. I, I never thought I'd be like, man, I really just, I want to live out of a suitcase again, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, same yeah, to you guys. Right? Uh, and I yeah. appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you, Derek. All right, y'all. Well, look, leave that five-star review uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, iTunes, wherever you get this program. Uh, and as we always say, if you uh, have less than a five-star review, keep it to yourself, all right? <laughs> Later. All right. All right, bro. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.